Welcome back to Divorce Healthy. I have one of the most exciting guests that I've been so excited to have onto the podcast with me because she was such an inspiration to me in so many ways. Cy Wakeman is here. And she is probably, she is definitely the most standout female that has ever assisted me on this journey. And she is an incredible person. She's really done a lot with the concept of ego and how to manage your ego and that narrative that you give yourself. And that's such a big part of divorce. And, and for all of the listeners, everyone who's there that is thinking about or is a child of divorce or is thinking about going through divorce, there's so much, so much conflict that you're dealing with in your mind and around you right now. And Sai is so great at that. And so I have been so pumped for her to be on here. To, and she's here today. Welcome, Sai. Thanks so much for coming on Divorce Healthy to talk to us. You are welcome. My pleasure. Anytime I get to connect with you, it's a good day. Cy Wakeman, the, the first podcast that I was ever a guest on was Cy Wakeman's podcast. And that was pretty cool. And people cool. loved it. <laughs> they, it was, we had such a great it. one. <laughs> you know, and, and HR doesn't think about the fact that according to the numbers, 50% of their employees are going to be going through this very stressful time. And yet you never see it on, you know, like the the agenda for HR folks to figure out how to help people do divorce peacefully. It's amazing. And that's the biggest, so Sai and I connected at Work Human in Nashville, Tennessee. And I was just, when I heard Sai's message and her work and, and, and I started to see her books there, honestly, Sai, you reminded me a lot of Brene Brown, which is a great compliment because we both love yes. her very much. And yes. And I think that her work on vulnerability, your work on ego, they seem so similar to me. And I, um, the concept is just so great. So I have done a lot of work personally myself dealing with my own ego and the narrative that I have for myself, both and mostly as a child of divorce. I, my own dealing with ab abandonment and the issues of uh, my parents and all of the conflict that I was raised in, the infinite amounts of conflict around every graduation, around my wedding, around my engagement, around my then thereafter separation and divorce, of course. You know, it was just riddled. And I started to tell myself a narrative. And then I had to break through that narrative. And your own work, Sai, has helped me to do that. So I am so glad you're here to talk to both ch adult children of divorce and people who are going through divorce. How do you think ego plays into this industry? Well, I think that ego makes a lot of people a lot of money and a lot of kids have a lot of <laughs> therapy to work through. <laughs> yes. Ego, I think it would be like 99.9% .9 because without ego, you would have no attachment to identity or reputation or you would have no need for other people to see you a certain way. You'd have no, there'd be no winning, no losing. There would just be like, moving through life skillfully and peacefully if we were beyond ego. And so I think it has everything to do with the times that we, whether experienced divorce as kids or we're going through our own divorces, the times that we don't show up in our highest self with the goals in mind and being willing to adapt and move through things differently. Anytime we're not doing that, I assure you it's ego. Anytime you're stressed, it's ego. Anytime you have fear, it's ego. Doubt, ego. Like all of your lower self ways you can show up, just know that ego's behind that. 
It's incredible. It's like every facet of it. And there's so much fear and there's so much anxiety that's riddled with divorce and the industry itself. Sai, I know that you are divorced. You've been through this. So you at least have some understanding of what people are going through whenever they're going through this. And when we talk about ego and we talk about how it is in every single aspect, one of the biggest things that people tell themselves and the story that they tell themselves is, I will never be able to get through this, or I, I don't know how to do this, or this will never work, or I'm never going to be okay, or I can't survive alone. What are your thoughts on all of those types of comments that people say to themselves so frequently throughout this process? And those are also even familiar to myself. Anytime that you're feeling stressed or fearful or down, just know that you're believing a thought that is untrue. I have a general belief that the universe is friendly, that we're always supported, and that anything that brings us stress in our own thinking that we're believing is just by definition untrue. And I would just say to people, I would question that. I'll never get through. Okay. How many hard days have you had in your life right now? Every single one. How many of you have gotten through? Every single one. Well, that's not true. I don't know how to do this. That could be true. Do you know people who do know how to do this? And I think what we don't do enough is question our own thinking. And I believe we pick relationships that help us develop and grow up. I think we do that really on purpose. And I think our love relationships that we pick really show us what's left of our ego. And most of the stories we've carried forward as kids are all about somebody else's ego that we adopted. And so let me explain what I mean by that. Like most people bottom out in big times like divorce. They've struggled with these stories all along, but a divorce seems to be like the perfect storm where everything you thought you knew for sure is gone and you are on a new frontier. And so when people would come to me, I started life as a therapist, and would say, you need to know how the your mind works and you need to know how the world works and you need to know how your mind works so you quit getting played by your ego and you need to know how the world works so you quit arguing with reality like 100% of the time you will lose, you know? So you can argue with reality, you just lose that argument 100% of the time. And most people going through divorce are doing two things wrong. They're believing their own thinking and they're arguing with reality. You know, like, well, this state should be a false state because what he or she did was wrong. And I'm like, well, the reality is it's not and none of that matters. So stop arguing with reality. And so those two things, I think if people know how their mind works, it's so important. And uh, I don't know if you want me to go into that, but I definitely can give people kind of a primer on why it's their story, it's not their reality, that's stressful for them. Yes, I think so. One thing I want to notate is that what most people never really take the 20,000 foot view long enough to understand is that before you ever get into any type of personal relationship, you should figure out what relationship was modeled for you and what conflict resolution process was modeled for you by the key people who were around you when you were young. And then you should understand that that is going to affect every single thing that you do with interpersonal relationships from that point forward. And like, the, and that's basically, that's kind of what I want you to explain is that's the boiled down version of it. But when 
people start to understand that and then they apply that to this process, I think is when we can really help them to see the first step though is wanting to even have that perspective. And I think that's the biggest hiccup. So through divorce, especially the attorneys are like, no, no, no. And other people, friends, people who are also been hurt by the process and carrying their own turmoil and their own damage, their instruction by and large to people who are going through divorce is go get someone else to deal with it for you and basically hide for a year and then come out of that and then try to figure out how to deal with the chaos that has ensued and the, and the damage that is left. So what do we do? Sorry. (laughs) Exactly. Well, in in bringing that up, like you can skip this lesson and let somebody else deal with it. But the universe has this weird thing that what you don't address head on, it will just get repeated for you in the next relationship. And I wish that everybody could turn 18 and review what's been modeled for them and then not marry till they're, you know, 35 (laughs) and... And, but I know people (laughs) won't do that. And there's just some things I know in my own life. I, in my twenties, I did some really amazing therapy and and adult child work, but there were just some things I needed to learn in um, multiple chapters. There were some things I could only go so far in, in my relationships with my twenties. Like part of being kind to ourselves is realizing that part of that learning probably needs to happen experientially right in the relationship so that you can watch get what gets called up. Yeah. Um, because I probably might not have the story, unfortunately, that, you know, I'll never find anybody to love again unless I got to go through a breakup. And then I get to question that story. But basically what most people don't realize as human beings, they don't know how their mind works. And most people make the mistake of believing everything they think. And when people ask my advice, I say, stop believing everything you think, because here's what people don't realize. They are not the thinker. They're just always being thought. And that's the ego. It is like a signal that's always being sent. And the human is the radio that is like the transmitter that picks up the signal. And in order for those beliefs that are really inaccurate that you said before, to live, I have to agree with and partner with those beliefs by believing them. And most people don't realize their superpower. You can't stop your thinking because you're not the thinker when it comes to ego stuff. You're the person observing the thinking and your superpower is to either observe a thought or attach to a thought, feed it, fuel it, add story to it. And the most simple thing, that's why I love meditation, because it gives you such practice at sitting back and observing your thinking and realizing that you're not the thinker. And if you think you're the thinker, when you wake up tomorrow morning, notice, are you being thought or do you actually commence thinking? Do you say, I shall start thinking now? Because when people, (laughs) right? Like when people realize that what is going through their head is just fear talk, it's just old beliefs, it's childish wishes, it's, it's stressful. Mm-hmm. And if you can unhook from that and just really stick into what's true, what do I know for sure? What are the facts? You'll find that reality is so much less harsh than you ever imagine it. Our story doesn't, I mean, our stress doesn't come from our stories. Or, our stress doesn't come from our reality. It comes from the stories we make up about our reality. 
And I just see that happening like so often. And I know this, but I tell you what, this is a daily practice that daily. I really have to work. Just because I teach it doesn't mean I'm perfect. Well, I'm so glad to hear you say that because every day I struggle, (laughs) you know, it's like like every day and that's, I try to teach my clients the same thing. So Sai, I feel like that's why we're kindred spirits in the way that we are is that I, I feel like I'm also on a mission to try to teach people that the reality that they think that they're living in and that they're telling themselves that they're in, is just not even close, you know, and And that voice, we're so convinced that that is our narrator, you know, like that we are just walking around in our own film production and that our narrator, like Samuel L. Jackson or whatever, is like narrating our life, uh, what we are thinking currently in that moment and that that person is 100% true and knows exactly who we are and and that they should be trusted 100%. Most people believe that. They believe that that is 100% true. And I would question everything you think because the the thoughts that you aren't initiating, there are thoughts we initiate like dreaming, scheming, innovative, Mm -hmm. calculating, problem solving. Those are high level thoughts. But any thought you didn't initiate, just know you're being thought and you're being played by your your own mind. Yes. By your own mind. And believing that is you're playing victim to somebody else's story or somebody else's reality. And here's the unfortunate part is once you believe something, then you co-create it and you go, see, I was right about what I believe. And it taps in, especially in divorce situations, it taps into everybody else's ego Mm -hmm. and all their hurts and all their stories. And so they're more than glad to give you additional advice that's horrid. And so for people going through divorce, they're in two contexts. So one, they're their own human, you know, they're inside their body dealing with the conflict that they're dealing with. Then they, they wear two hats. They are also an employee of someone trying to perform a task and, and earn a living and contribute to society and do things for other people and play their role in community and do all of those things. And then they are trying to be a part of a family, a mother, a daughter, a brother, a father, a sister, all of those different hats that we wear. And so in the middle of divorce and in the middle of conflict and in the middle of that ego playing this narrative, that narrative starts to center on all of the ways that both work and family are going to be affected. And so that narrative starts to really play in the minds of people. And then that has this massive ripple effect on causing conflict, not only for that person, but then at the workplace and at home. And so, Sai, what is your advice for people who are going through the divorce process and they are at work and they have their own conflict themselves and they're very already triggered, easily triggered. And then what is the advice for the people who are dealing with the people at work who are already going through their conflict, coming in every day, missing work to go to court, subpoenas are coming in, their employers are having to produce documents. What's your advice for all of that? Gosh, there's a lot of advice there. Um, (laughs) Once you start to, yeah, I always say if you want stress, get a future. So once you start to get out into the future about all the ways that I'm going to be affected, how would you know? And you are giving up your power in this because you have some say on how you're affected. So I may have a subpoena come at work that's embarrassing to me with my boss, right? Mm -hmm. And yet that may take five 
five minutes out of our day or two hours to answer that request for, for documents. But whether or not I give it another 20 hours or whether or not I allow it to affect my working relationship going forward, I have a lot to do with. And if you're in fear, just know that fear, F-E-A-R, stands for false events appearing real. And instead of just laying down and you're a victim and you're just going to let this horror movie play out at work, if you are the employee and you're easily triggered, first of all, you need to, instead of working with a plan to screw your ex, work with your counselor and attorney for a plan to have risk mitigation and least effect at work. And so when I was going through my divorce, I ran my own business and I had a new book coming out. And so I gathered my team of advisors together and I said, how can this least affect my business? Because we spend so much time on how to get even with somebody. And that's not my future. My future is I want to be a mom who is able to support her kids and is able to design a life that I can be with my kids when it's my um, time with them. And so I met with my team of advisors and I'm like, okay, tell me what this looks like. Well, these types of requests will come in. Great. I'm going to go ahead and get some of that ready to go. I'm going to budget how much time I'm going to spend. I'm going to have these office hours that I will work on this type of work. If you're at work, I would go in, I would say to my HR person and my boss, no story. Here's what I'm going through. Here's how I intend to handle the time involved. Here's when I will use leave. Here's what things I can't control, but here's my guarantee to you. And otherwise, you can do this with low accountability or high accountability. And as a boss, I had two people come to me and in their one-on-ones on the same day, two people said, I'm going through a horrible divorce, bloody custody battle. Both, I wish I had known you then. I would have said, I know. <laughs> but, but here's the difference between low accountability and high accountability. The person who is high in accountability gave me no sultry details, didn't play the victim, didn't tell me how all the things that had gone wrong in their marriage. They said, I do not want this to have any undue impact on my job. So you trust me. But don't trust me right now. If there's something you think I might be missing, be very quick to ask for status updates because I'm going to do my best to stay on the ball. But here's my plan how this won't affect my job. Will you help me? Amazing. The other person came in and said, I'm going through this horrible divorce, told me things I never wanted to know about them. Oh my God. Which then changed my opinion of them and said, and so I'm going through all these hard times. So I just want you to know, you can't really count on me to hold up my weight on the team. I was like, how different can those two things be? Amazing. And so everything was a Chinese fire drill with the one low accountable because it would be like one day before a court date. And I'm like, I know you know about these court dates. I mean, we're not talking the emergency custody removal of the home here. We're talking about something your lawyer had to file an affidavit for. And it was like always the last minute where the other person said, here's my weekly schedule update given the legal proceedings I'm in. And it was just two ways of going through it that you absolutely have control over how your employer and your colleagues experience the effect of the divorce. You're not a victim in this. Amen. 
And I, so I coach my clients on this all the time. I let them know that the people around you should not know what you're dealing with. They should know you have a goal and you have a dream. That's the only thing that they should know about. And I tell my, I tell my people, and this is one of my favorite statements that I have ever said, don't get even get a dream Yeah, because the best revenge, and this is something we've always heard is a life well lived move forward, pick what you want to do in your life, navigate that energy into a positive direction and it will blossom. It will grow. It will create flowers everywhere. And people just don't want to believe that that is possible. It's amazing to me. Amazing. Well, that's because the ego wants you to be a victim. It's easier to not have a dream. And then you can keep being a victim about how your soon to be ex even screwed your job up as if you didn't participate in that. And with everybody focusing on personal brands, what I tell people is you've got to manage your personal brands through this. If you go through a divorce and that somehow affected your employment, it is because you overshared and you didn't have boundaries. But that's the reason people get into conflict in the first place is they're unskilled. They don't trust themselves to have good boundaries. So they either need to just go hide for a year or they need to fight for a year. It's like fight or flight. And that Mm -hmm. is the choice. If you're fighting or flighting or freezing, that's all ego stuff. Yes. If people imagine they have like a light switch on their forehead, like this is a weird segue, but an invisible light switch on their forehead, a toggle switch. And when it's down, the same person is thinking through or seeing the world through lens of ego. And when it's toggled up, they're in what I call high self when it's toggled down low self. And I think it's so important for people to get in touch with this because when you're toggled down, you're seeing the world through the lens of ego and that corrupts your data. So you'll see insults where there isn't. Right. You'll, you'll, you might get a request from your partner or husband's you know, attorney and it just said, one more thing we forgot to add. If you're willing, could you provide this? And if you read that literally, your only choices are like yes or no. Like, do you want to or do you not want to? Is there a reason not to? But what we do is we see that. And when we're seeing it through the lens of ego, we read so much into that. That is yes. just like they've always done. And they've always been manipulative. And so I don't see the manipulation, but you know it's there. And you know they're up to something. And when you're toggled down, you see insult where there isn't any. Your ego values certainty, I know they're manipulating, over accuracy. It basically gets you seeing yourself as a victim. The circumstances, you know, are the reasons you can't succeed. You're suffering because other people and your only choices are fight, flight, or freeze. And when you're an ego, you're using the most primitive part of your intelligence. It's like Mm -hmm. you're coming into a divorce situation trying to Make sure your kids are unaffected with the mind of a caveman. Critter state. You're totally in critter state. Yeah. Exactly. And when you're toggled up, the same person is using all of their intelligence. They're in higher consciousness. They're in brain coherence. They're, They're not just seeing either or options. They're seeing so many other options on how you could move through something. And they have agency. They're like, well, I can try this first because I trust myself and my boundaries and I can move in a different direction if I want to. I have multiple options. And most victims say they only have a couple options. And so what I tell people, like, how do you get from low to high self? It's all about self-reflection. 
And I can't tell you the number of hours people spend in figuring out strategy on how to get more out of the situation. Instead of self-reflection, questioning your own thinking to make sure that you are coming from a good perspective coming into the situation. So divorcing has more to do with working on yourself and how you want to move through the world and rather than working on an agreement or on your, on your ex. And that's where people get confused. So often. It's so often that they get confused. And I want to note that Sai and I are not saying that operating in low self is bad. We all do it. Some days I wake up and I am in low self. Some days I wake up and I'm in high self. And then I have to actively work if I'm in low self to get myself back to high self. The other and thing that's is the that key. there's no shame in it. It's your yes. human condition. Yes. But the shame is in not trying to fix it. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And so what we want you to know is that every day I struggle with this. I, st- I have to keep myself there. And, and the, the things of my past, my own insecurities around, you know, when you feel like your parents don't even love you, it's easy to think that how, how could you possibly be loved by anyone or respected by anyone? That's an easy thought for anybody to have. It's going to creep around in your mind and it'll try to tell you things that are not true, but you have to just understand that that's who you are. And then know, and this is the biggest thing, Sai, that I know that you've said a million times, I've heard you say it, and I believe this so much, which is that just know what self you're operating in when you yep. go into a conflict. If you just at least have that piece of information, you're making more skilled decisions. Just that one, just be aware enough of yourself to give yourself enough grace to say, hey guys, I'm in the middle of this board meeting right now, but guess what? I just got served a subpoena five minutes before I walked in here. Give me a little bit of grace. I'm good and I'm fine. And in your mind, you know, just give yourself that grace. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm, I'm going to be able to perform here. Yes, that sucks. I'm going to have to deal with it later. It's going to take some time out of my day. But at the end of the day, I know where I'm going. I know where my plan is and I know what my future is. And what does this do to, to help me along my goal? That's the point yeah. is okay, I've been served the subpoena. You can't change the fact that you've been served the subpoena, but how can your reaction to the subpoena advance your own life goal? Because it's not about his or her goal, whoever's serving you the subpoena. It's about yours. So redirect it into your life. And those are some huge lessons, Sai, for everybody. Yeah, and self-regulate. And if you aren't practicing things like meditation and self-reflections, how you toggle up, like what do I know for sure? What could I do next that could help? What's my next focus? A divorce is the perfect time for you to start practicing that what is happening, like a subpoena is just the weather. You don't need to change according to it because I hope people get to the place and divorce is a great time to practice. And walking into a meeting, I get served the subpoena. Even if the first time I have to take 10 minutes to get my head on straight, my hope for everybody listening is they go, oh my gosh, I was expecting subpoenas. They seem to be part of the divorce process. I won't react to this because I know that my experience is I can do all this reacting. It doesn't change that I need to deliver this information. And a lot of this is just posturing anyway. So let me just put that in perspective, mm-hmm. compartmentalize it and move on. Because in my own divorce situation, every piece I got from him led me into this catastrophe where I lost my children. He could, his lawyer could give me like a, we corrected this to take out the misspelling. 
And I would wrap that into, I'm about to lose my children every single time. And And everybody does. Everybody does. It's your biggest fear. It's the one thing you're afraid of. And so it's like, then everybody, everything leads back to it. And the biggest thing you can do for yourself is get so tired of yourself and you're overreacting (laughs) because your freedom is when you just get tired of going (laughs) through that whole thing. And so I just started to expect subpoenas, expect delays, expect people trying to jockey in position, expect people maximizing the position. So whenever it came up, I just go, oh, there it is. I was expecting that. And then I would just consciously choose how much time to give it. And I would usually work with my attorney to say my goal is a peaceful resolution. What do you think our response needs to be? Is this a low, medium, or high urgent? How scary should I be on a scale of one to 10? And then I started to challenge that thought, I will lose my children. And you know what? I got over that fear. And I was in a state as a working mom who traveled all the time. And the early um, court um, rulings were, how does a woman who travels all the time expect to be able to care for her own children? So read into that, the chauvinism. Yep. And even in that situation, I got so empowered for myself that I asked myself, I can possibly lose my children. Is that true? And you know what? It doesn't matter if my kids were, their living situations that they live with their dad seven days a week, which probably won't happen. But if They will happens, never stop being your kids. Exactly. There's no <laughs> way in heck I will lose my children because I'm an amazing mother. And exactly. I think if I couldn't be on that property seeing them, the first thing they saw when they got off that property would be a billboard from their mom every day <laughs> saying, how the heck are you? Like, <laughs> And so once I just made up on minds that whether or not I lost my children was my responsibility, it took that fear away. And I would tell you, unfortunately, I saw my own divorce, a spouse take on a reading into our eventual custody arrangement that she took my children away from me. And he then gave up almost every opportunity to text or I'm very flexible, ask me for additional time. Like the problem with believing I'm going to lose my kids or I lost my kids is that then co-creates how you give up and you don't text them and you don't request and you don't stay in touch. And he eventually created that for a period of time for himself. And I tried to be the bigger person. I saw that going on. And so I would reach out to him and say, don't let your son's graduation go by without you connecting. Now, not my responsibility. Wasn't doing it out of codependency. Was doing it because I have four sons who need a father. And they need that lives. for their own self-image. And that's more exactly. important than your own, you know, whatever you harbored from your marriage ending. Amen. Good job, Cy. Yeah, Yay. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. And that's usually the case. If you practice what you and I preach, If you do it for transaction, your ego will want to go, well, I'll do it. And then they need to do it back. Mm -hmm. Let me just break that party up for you. (laughs) They're human. So they won't do it back perfectly. And usually at any given time, there's only one person on the high road. And so when this situation is going south, you can stop it and know that you'll get nothing in return from your ex, but you will get something in return from your kids. 
Yeah. And I, you know, and that's the, a lot of people are like, well, I need to talk to them one more time. They, they need to give me closure. And I'm like, oh, for God's sakes, get, do your own closure. You're the adult here. Your ex doesn't give you that. Well, my yes. ex needs to admit that I, no, they don't. None of, that is all the ego wanting to be right versus being happy. Mm-hmm. And your happiness, if you're a parent, needs to be that my kids will be well-rounded. And there's a ton of research that tells you your kids to be well-rounded is a lot of you giving out of ego, being in high self and resolving things in a way that leaves your kids better off and doesn't care about you. I want to, I want to exactly speak to that on personal brand. When you're saying that, and you had just mentioned personal brand, the thing I want parents to remember is that you are making right now your children's personal brand because everything you're doing, how you treat your spouse, how you talk about them, what you say about them at Christmas, what you say about their response to the football game or to the baseball game, every single thing that you are doing, they will role model and you will see it replay in front of your eyes. And so I hope you are prepared for the movie that you will watch. Absolutely. And by the way, you're making your personal brand because your future relationship with your kids, you may win in yep. the moment when they're gullible yep. and and a lot of people, your kids are only agreeing with you because they depend on you. And they don't want to agree that one of their parents is bad because you're saying half of them is bad. And when they see and, them, themselves in the mirror, that is what they see. They see when you talk yeah. about dad or you talk about mom, they see mom or dad hates me. They don't hear that other person. They hear me because they know their genetic code is made of half of that person. Absolutely. And, so, and that's why the worst thing you can do is, you know, erase a parent just because you win, just like in the Marshall Plan after the World Wars, they went in and rebuilt the loser because they know if you leave somebody one down, the damage happens somewhere. And And what about Germany? Same thing. I mean, this is how the world works. I mean, you can't, the children will see and they don't want one parent to struggle for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Absolutely. And I know for me, as I went out and I like, started dating again, it told me so much about somebody's skill set, how if they left their um, divorce proceedings feeling like they got screwed or if it was still, if they were activated about their divorce settlement and not activated about making sure their kids were okay, it was just like a, a game over for me. It's like, because your own personal brand, like today, my boys are all grown adults. And a key thing for parents out there is to your children, you have to give the other parent the benefit of the doubt. And you have to lend, if you happen to be the parent in favor right now, you've got to lend your credibility to the other person. Now, if that other person has been abusive, like don't screw your kids up by right. saying that's okay. Obviously. Obviously, but for yes. the most part, it's like dad didn't call me on my birthday. Even if I was just silent, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Didn't seem enough for me. I wanted to reinforce because my husband had a head injury and I wasn't making excuses for him, but I wanted to say, I'm sorry to hear that. And I am confident about one thing that does not change the fact that your dad loves you a lot. I know who your dad is. I was married to him for 20 years. And I know that it isn't always obvious, but I know one thing is true. He loves you. 
and you are very lovable and you are very loved by a lot of people. I just didn't feel like me just saying, I'm sorry to hear that was enough, not for my ex, but for the self-esteem of my boys. And for all the adult children that we have heard out of divorce, the children who have positive things to say about their parents' divorce always talk about the times one parent went out of their way for the other one when that child knew they didn't have to. They knew they didn't have to. They knew it wasn't required. In fact, they knew it was taboo and they did it anyway. And every time the children who are broken are the ones who were used as pawns and used as tug of war and given too much information and emotionally, you know, they were just, they kind of had to carry the weight of the parent that wasn't doing so well. And when that happens, they just, they, they just don't acclimate well to their own personal relationships and their own sense of who they are and their role in life. And it's just a struggle. It is. And what we're talking about is boundaries. Yes. Because most people going into a divorce situation, they have a lot of their own stuff to look at. They have a lot of things to learn about their own boundaries. And too many times we're including our employers or our kids into information that they have no business knowing. And we also include, you know, family and friends into that. I think it's so important that for me, I should just, it was important for me that I didn't want to contaminate my friendships with talking about my divorce all the time. And so I hired a therapist and I didn't want to contaminate, you know, my family gatherings with my siblings. You know, I would give them a quick update, but Mm -hmm. I would have done the personal work to when I gave them the update, make sure that I had cleansed out any of my baloney in there. Mm -hmm. You know, the update, have you settled yet? No, we aren't. We're in the discovery process, whatever it is. And then how are you doing? And move that conversation along. And here's why. You'll feel better about yourself. It's your ego that gets you telling that same story again so that you can keep the anger alive. Every time you tell your divorce story, you keep the anger alive. And when you know you're healed is when you say, yeah, I used to be married to that person. And it was really good until it wasn't. Well, why'd you get divorced? Well, there's some things he did that I appreciated and some things he did that I didn't appreciate. And given the picture at the time, I chose to move forward as a single person. Like when you can get your story down to that, you are healthy. Yes. And I tell my clients all the time on that, they're never going to validate you. Let me give you some validation. Okay. I'll validate you on a couple things. Now, these things that you're talking about, I'm not going to give you validation on that because no, we're not there, but these things I'm going to validate you on, but they are never going to validate you. They're never going to, it's not their responsibility. You're looking for the wrong person. You got to be able to validate yourself. And the way to validate yourself is to be able to say, I held my head up today. And I did the best thing that I could, you know, I made the best decisions that I could. I did the best by people that I could. I do not like that person. I don't like that man. I don't like that woman. I am glad that I've moved on from them. But that does not change the fact that I control my reaction to every situation. And I do that by making that choice. And that choice comes internally and from you. You get to choose the process that you decide to use, which if you choose litigation, You have to understand that that is a process you do not have a lot of control over. If you choose an out-of-court process, you have a lot more control over that process and you get to make your own decisions. And you get to choose how you respond to everything. 
You know, the best response to a subpoena is it's a piece of paper. It is legitimately a piece of paper with some ink on it. That is all that it is. (laughs) It's how people get information they need. Mm -hmm. And I think you bring up like an out-of-court process. You need to decide if you want to evolve or not based on your divorce. Because don't waste a good divorce. If you want to just do what you've always done and what you inherited from your own family, go the legal route. Because it's all about right and wrong and winning and losing and um, fighting or fleeing. It's all about old, it's very ego-based. You will come out with an agreement, but it will just have reinforced and re-injured and passed on to the next generation what you got yourself. If you use an out-of-court process, you will then be able to not focus on what you need to get, but focus on how you need to grow. Every minute you are out of court and you have to sit across the table in a mediation session, you will face your own fears. You will find out how to find your own voice. You will find out what works to move things forward and what doesn't. You will grow, evolve, and develop. And so I think a divorce process can anchor you into old stuff or can put you on a journey where you evolve and you learn new skills and you learn about you. And you can move forward as a very different person. And that is the definition, Cy Wakeman, of divorce healthy. That is the definition. (laughs) And none of us do it well. Like I mediated my divorce and uh, we didn't have an official mediator in our state. You're so lucky to have resources and things are changing. And Ashley, if you have your way, you will have changed this all, which I will be thrilled about. Yes. But I would tell you that there were so many times I screwed this up, but I had to go back and make amends. If you want to grow, go to the person who's trying to get more time with your kids and actually apologize to them only for your part in how the last discussion went south. Like, and they won't apologize back, but just own yourself. Because what you'll start to notice is your own self-esteem will start growing and you'll feel good about yourself. And we have our self-esteem tied to how the divorce is going. How, how are you doing? I feel like crap. I'm not getting what I want. If your self-esteem is tied to something external, you're not going to come out of this healed. But if it's tied to something internal, you know, I acted well today and I'm feeling pretty good about myself. That's where you'll claim your power back. For our clients with A&R Law and with McLawhorn and Russell, we want our clients, and I want everyone who's hearing my voice around the world, is we want you to use this opportunity. If you are making a decision to divorce, you are making a decision to change your life, make that decision a full decision. Know exactly what you want your life to look like on the other side of this. Tell your attorney exactly what your beautiful dream vision of a life is, including what does your relationship with your children look like? What does your relationship with your family look like? What does your job relationship look like? What does your relationship with your ex-spouse look like? What are you doing? What does your job look like? Where are you living? Map it out now. If you're going to make a massive decision, yes. Make a vision board. Oh my gosh, Sai, I have to tell you this. And I want to tell every listener that's listening to me right now. Do you, have you seen the picture of my big blue sea dreams house that yes. I just purchased? Yes, that is so my dream house. And when I say dream house, Sai, and I want everybody to hear me say this, you can all have everything you want, Sai. I wrote on my vision board, I have a picture of it I can send to you. 
that I wanted a house in Sea Dreams, blue or seafoam with blue ceilings on October the 4th. I updated the dream board for some reason on October the 17th. The house went on the market in November. I put an offer on it in February and I now own that house. And there are only three blue houses in all of Sea Dreams neighborhood. I love it. And the ceilings of the whole house are blue. I love it. Is that I not amazing? It. It, you That's can amazing. have it. You have to envision it. You have to write it on a board. I wrote it on a board and then I was thinking about it. And then my other beach house had mold. So I decided to drive around and I drove through sea dreams because of course that's what I had envisioned. And there it was. And then I had to, you can't even imagine all the other steps that I had to do. I even ended up having to file a lawsuit because the guy didn't want to leave because it is an amazing house. (laughs) But I eventually got my house and it's like, everyone can do it. It's your, this is your opportunity right now. What do you want? What do you want? Let's pick an option that's going to get you through divorce in a healthy way. That's going to be a collaborative option. That's going to be a mediation option. That's going to be choosing my firm and hiring us to be able to help coach you through how to do this in a positive way. It means going to Cy Wakeman's podcast, listening to her, getting her books, figuring out how to get that narrative out of your mind or at least rewrite it. Cy, give us all of your info and so that they can find you and how to get that information as they're going through this self-evolving process. I love it. My podcast is called No Ego, and that's the name of my book as well. And I'll keep it simple. We are prolific on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn, and we're at Cy Wakeman. So the at symbol, Cy Wakeman, C-Y-W-A-K-E-M-A-N. And I think that that is the choice. If you go through a divorce in a traditional way, you will have not gotten any of the meaning or benefit. You will have just changed partners and you'll recreate all of that. And so why not, you know, where you put your attention determines the quality of your life. If you're going to make such a big decision, why wouldn't you map out where you want to go? And then what I would just add to that as we close is that your lawyer will depart from that and you will depart from that. And you've got to just continue asking yourself every day is what we're talking about doing. Get me closer to that dream. Does it add to it or take away? Because if you don't keep that out in front of you, your ego will get you doing things that take away from that dream rather than um, move you um, through it. So I so value in our law firm. I value you. And I just think that, um, Divorce could be life transformation or it could be a hurtful, expensive transaction. You get to choose. You get to choose. You 100% get to choose. Thank you so much, Sai, for coming on with us. We're so happy to have you and we're here for you. If you're looking for an attorney, make sure you're choosing someone who has integrity and reflects your morals and values. If you're a child of divorce and your parents have gone through a divorce, keep listening to understand that you're, this is, it all makes sense. Everything that you've thought about that you've been trying to understand, it all makes sense. Keep listening here for valuable information and people who are going to help you get through this, get through divorce and the effects of divorce in a healthy way. We're here to change how divorce is handled in America. We're on that mission. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Divorce Healthy, your guide to mastering conflict resolution at home and in the workplace. To inquire about speaking engagements, purchase your copy of Ashley Nicole's book, The Cure for Divorce Culture, or to schedule your private orientation meeting, head to www.anrlaw.com. You can also find us on social media at ANR Law. Find a better way forward right here on Divorce Healthy.